This your boys, welcome to the kicker spot. This your boys, this your boys. I'm your host, Tiangelo. Tiangelo. Why did I have a visual? I was partying to the break of dawn. How did I who recorded the video? Tiangelo. OMG. It's kind of sporadic. So, no. Okay, have a better word. Apparently, I'm eager to when I talk about myself all the time. Go, What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kicker Spot. I'm your host, Tiangelo. Hey, what's going on? You are listening to the best of the Kicker Spot, and I am your host, Tiangelo. Now, tonight's show, you guys, is presented by Tiangelo Live. And as we get into everything, be sure that you head over and click the like button on the radio page. Always grateful for the support. Yeah. Also, head over to Tiangelo.com and be sure to sign up for our email blast. It's the big green button. You can't miss it. Alrighty, now as we continue to hang out here at the Kicker Spot, be sure to grab you a drink, maybe a bite to eat. Hell, fold clothes if you want to. But you know how we do here. We maxing and relaxing and chilling at the Kicker Spot. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Drifting through the wind, wanting to start again. Do you ever feel... It's okay to sin Like a house of cards One broken cave and in Do you ever feel Already buried deep Sixteen under screens And no one seems to hear a thing Do you know that there's Still a chance for you Cause there's a spark in you You just gotta ignite The light And let it shine Just a
so we're going to talk to Carl a little later. We're going to go ahead and speak to Scott Levy because he is here, and we want to definitely have him on our featured segment, Salute to Heroes, where we take our time to give to say thank you to those servicemen and women who sacrificed themselves for the freedoms we have today. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Scott Levy to the Kicker Spot. Good evening, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am really having a blast, and this is one of my favorite segments as well. I'm so happy you're here with us. Thank you. No, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> as am I. <laughs> so I'm looking at your works, and it's it's so funny to me. I guess when you think about military service, men and women, we put you in this bucket of being like in the Marines, hardcore, <laughs> you know, heroes till you die. And so the idea that you're going from that into the industry of entertainment boggles it does the mind. Seem like, right. It does seem like a bit of a strange leap, huh? <laughs> right. Well, so it's funny, I, you know, exactly. I, You know, when I got out, I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. I, I really hadn't planned on it. I I kind of thought that I might make a career out of the Marine Corps. And mm-hmm. then when, when that didn't happen, it was, you know, you're just kind of left standing there going, Okay. <laughs> now what? And it's like you right. don't want to, you know, do you go spend, you know, take another four years and go to a university? Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of lucked out, and, and uh, I was talking to this guy one night, a friend of my roommate at the time, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to this school um, where they teach you, you know, how to do sound engineering for okay. music and bands. And, and I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. Um, so I looked into it and it was full sale and I'm from Orlando. So that's an awesome winter school park. I add. I love yeah. that school. It really <laughs> is, man. And it's grown like leaps and bounds. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, cause back then I, I started going there like in 93 or 94 or whatever. And, um, you know, the, the whole sort of technical film school thing was kind of a new concept. Right. Yeah. Time. Yeah. You didn't know so, how to get into that industry. You didn't know what it took to get into the industry. Right? It's so crazy <laughs> because you're just like, oh, wow, people really do that? Like, like and I, I would, they would let me do that too? So, you're like, <laughs> they will pay okay, me to well, do that? They pay me exactly, to do that? Exactly. Exactly. You're like, where do I sign? I'm, I'm in. So, so I started right. going to school for, uh, for audio engineering, and, and while I was there, um, I realized they had a film department as well. Mm-hmm. And... I totally found myself gravitating toward the film folks and helping them mm-hmm. out, helping them shoot their movies. And like, I mm-hmm. was like, holy, oh my God. Like, I always knew I loved movies, but, you know, being, watching right. the process and being involved in the process of making them, I was just, I was floored. Amazed. By it. I, it, it, amazed. It, overwhelmed. <laughs> I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I love this passion because honestly, I got my. I, I also studied um, filmmaking, and I, I got my mother into watching the making of films, and so now she'll watch like the making of Pirates of the Caribbean and be in awe. She's like, "Oh my goodness, Isn't that awesome? no, yeah, I love it's that. the best." I, now, I have those moments were... all the time with with my parents, you know, because now they, you know, they they, they kind of get it. Right, um, you know, and, they're always, and now they're like constantly picking out continuity errors. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, that doesn't match." Right. You know, just enjoy the movie. My mother hates. She started hating me for that when I was learning graphics, and I'd be like, "No, mother, that's a green screen. No, that's comedy." <laughs> exactly. No, she's like, "Honey, can, can you just watch the movie? You can see the wire work. You can see the wire work. They erase the wires right there." 
Exactly. Exactly. And then after you're doing it for a while, you know, that kind of goes away and then you're able to just enjoy enjoy <laughs> art for its own sake again, which is kind of nice. Yeah. No, you mentioned you're from Florida. You originally came from Westwood, New Jersey. So where do you kind of claim yeah. Florida, New Jersey? Florida, definitely. I moved I moved down there when I was like 11. So, okay. you know, okay. that was definitely my formative years for sure. Now, it was funny to me in, in the and while you were in the Marine Corps, you were a stinger a stinger missile gunner during the Persian yes. Gulf War, earning mm-hmm. yourself a National Defense Service Medal. Yes. What are you, some do you of your know what stingers are? Right. Say again. Do, do you know Do you know what stingers are? I think I have this idea of one, but I doubt it. They're really cool. They're amazing. They're a uh, shoulder fired anti aircraft weapon. Um. That, yeah, you, you fire it from the ground, and you can take out, you know, fighter oh, like jets, you can take out helicopters, just like in the movie. Exactly. <laughs> it's an amazing, wow. amazing, cool, fun toy. Okay. So, again, there we are. We have – and so how how was your time with the Persian Gulf? How was that? Well, I got very lucky. You know, as as everyone knows, the, uh, the Gulf War wasn't nearly uh, mm-hmm. anything like – like the our, our last conflicts, I, I don't even know if they're still going. I think they're over at this point. Hopefully, hopefully, um, <clears throat> hopefully, yeah. Um, and you know, God bless to, to everyone that served during that, of course. Right. Um, right. But yeah, you know, the, the Gulf War didn't last very long. Um, my unit was deployed. I was with Second Low Altitude Air Defense Battalion, and um, I, I hadn't joined my unit yet when they deployed. I was still in Stinger School. Um, at Fort Blitz in Texas. So I was going to link up with them when I finished school. And uh, and all of a sudden they were like, okay, the war's over. Uh, we're shipping you to North Carolina. <laughs> like, oh. The war's over? I didn't even get there. Like, <laughs> right. I was trying to, get, trying to get my nails dirty a little bit. <laughs> I did. I did. I wanted to get dirty a little bit. Right. But, um, you know, it's it's tough, especially as a Marine, because you, you, you're you so gung-ho and fired up and you want right. to do the right thing and serve your country and protect right. your country. And, you know, so it was kind of a bummer, but I guess in hindsight, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to. Well, I want to go ahead and take this moment to say thank you to Scott Levy for your services rendered. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much for saying that. I, it's, I really appreciate it. You know, it never you gets know, old hearing that. And it's funny because my mother, um, I, I was I was personally in ROTC, um, Air Force ROTC, for like three years. I traveled over the um, state competing um, in drill team. But now, cool. so far later, my mother to this day, if she sees a serviceman or woman in uniform, stops. And I'm always like, Mother, what are you doing? <laughs> and she stops uh, to give okay. them that thank you humbly, not like in a rush, but we're going to take this. Mama, we're, the movie's starting. Okay, honey, wait a minute. And she That's humbly so makes cool. sure. Yeah, I love it's, that. It's, it's texting me back. Honestly, it makes it makes me more humble. Like mother, it's it's amazing, and 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 God bless her. You know, I I do it too. If I see somebody, I walk over, I shake their hand, I thank them for their service. Um, it's just the right thing you do. You know, like whether you agree with the politics or agree with the conflict or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know that that person is is there because. A politician sent them, <laughs> you know. Right, and, right. And you know, they they put on that uniform to to protect and serve, you know, all of us. And right. 
they don't. They, you know, it's it's not. Have, it's a job. It's a job. It's not it's really a choice. You guys, we are currently sitting here with Scott Levy, veteran of Persian Gulf War turned actor, as we're doing a salute to heroes. This segment is brought to you by Veteran Supplemental Support Network, also known as VSSN. You can check them out at vetsupportnet.org. So now, Mr. Levy, you are on screen. You are off screen. You are with George Lucas. You are with Titanic. That was amazing. That was incredible. That was my first job out of out of school. Like, how crazy is that? Um, I can't imagine. I moved to Hollywood and I'm I'm swinging a hammer, building sets this, at this little uh, set production place in Burbank, and I mm-hmm. get this call from my school and they're like, "Hey, we just submitted you. Uh, George Lucas's company, Skywalker Sound, is uh, is looking for grads. Um, Spielberg is is doing a sequel to Jurassic Park." And and they need a couple more folks up there, and I'm like, holy God, yes, please sign sign my room. Yes, I'm ready. I will move up there tomorrow. So that's kind of what happened. I you know I I loaded up. I went and had a had a job interview, and I knocked it out of the park, and I got the job. Basically, two days later, I was moving up to San Francisco and uh, and working up there, and we did we did uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park. Okay. And boom, the next film that comes in is Jim Cameron and Titanic, and it was like, wow. Right. That is, so that, that, see, wow. that's the story that we all want. When it comes to the actors moving to Los Angeles, this is the story right here that everyone wants to hear, that their first job is with George Lucas. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience. And, but, that, you know, that's when I was, when I was doing the, the sound stuff. And right. the acting stuff kind of came later. You know, I moved back down to L.A. and uh, and, and got very lucky, you know. With well, that's my next stuff. question. What what prompted you to go onto the screen? Because now it seems like you just keep evolving. You evolved into the sound, which pushed you into the uh, production. And now you're into the mm-hmm. on screen. I did. I, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I, I guess I kind of got the bug. In, in film school, you know, because okay. back then, I, I know it's different now because of because of the internet, like it's much easier to sort of find actors and, and do whatever, but back in the day, you know, we just kind of used each other as, as right. the act Word of mouth. In, in our student films, exactly, it was just like um, you know, we'd all just be in each other's films when we weren't behind the scenes we'd be in front of the camera and like I loved it, I loved it so much but like it was never something I could say out loud <laughs> or admit okay. to myself <laughs> and when I was up there working for Lucas and, you know, working with all these amazing folks, all the Titanic people and, and a couple different shows, we did contact up there, a bunch of, of the, the huge movies of that time, Saving Private Ryan. Right. Um, you know, I would I would end up hanging out and talking to the actors and stuff, and I realized, like, these people aren't any different than me. Like, they're, exa- they're flesh and blood, just regular right. folks like me. I was like... I think I'm going to give this a shot. And uh, I went for it. I went for it. I, I moved back down to, to L.A. and, um, you know, started doing some theater, you know, because I wanted to see if I was even any good at it before I right. jumped in with the whole yourself feet, you on know, screen. I, <laughs> I might have totally sucked at it. And, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, then I just wasted all that time. So I, I did. I got involved with the local theater companies and, you know, following that quickly got into the union and booked some commercials and, Again, I, I've been very lucky. You know, I, I know a lot of people have had very different experiences with experiences, it. And, and right. It's, it's a tough field, man. It is brutal. 
Um, so would you say any – was there any lessons that you took from the Marine Corps that you applied oh, to man. this industry? Oh, my God, yes. Like, <laughs> I – again, I, I'd say I got lucky, but, you know, there was also a lot of perseverance involved with that luck, and I don't think I would have been able to do it without my, mm-hmm. my Marine Corps experience at all. I don't, I don't think I would have – had the stick to uh whatever whatever the, the tenacity word is. The tenacity, perfect, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Because there were, man, there were there were some seriously lean years. There was a lot of ramen noodles and uh yeah. you know a lot of slinging drinks and, you know, wondering if I was gonna make rent that month, that kind of stuff. You know, right. okay. we've all heard the story a million times, and that's because it's a true story. Right. <laughs> you know, the starving artist. That's how it works. It's so a humble real, beginning. Real deal. Yes, very humble. <laughs> so are you spending yeah. more time on the camera these days? Um, yeah, I, you know, I haven't even really done anything, um, you know, production-wise in, in quite mm-hmm. a few years. Um, okay. But I've been doing a lot of voice. You know, I've been doing these video games the last couple of years, which has been, oh, I love it. It's right. So, so the funny fun. part is, we're at the, I'm, I gotta get that. We're at the video because I'm not a gamer, and so when these games were talked about, I didn't know any better. But my nephew is a hardcore gamer, and yeah. um, oh my goodness, I mentioned like I was reading about it, and just you know, just kind of reading out loud, and I said. Oh, this guy does a voice of what's one of the characters in the the, the recent game? I can't even find the note. Right, Stump in Medal of Honor. <laughs> Medal of Honor. Yeah. I mentioned that game, and you could have thought that I had just bought him a new Ferrari or something. Isn't that awesome? It's so cool. I have so much street cred with the kids now. Like it's, it's brilliant. I love it. I'm I'm so who would have thought it? But yeah. Being a video game character, man, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> you are the hottest thing ever now. Like you are like you're better than Chuck E. Cheese. Like Mickey Mouse has to bow down. Like Mickey Mouse has to bow down. <laughs> That's right. Which is hilarious. And again, I was like merely like reading aloud. Um and then you also did Pike in a soon to be that yeah, what is that one? Army of Devil? On the Army, Army of Army two? two. Yeah, the Devil's Cartel. It's it's the third one in the series. And it came out on Tuesday. It's past Tuesday, actually. It's doing really well. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. It's it's funny because I was approached, um, I don't know, about a month ago to do, mm-hmm. you know how people are doing like these YouTube fan films? I don't know if you've seen right. them. Yes. Um, and and these, these guys called me and they were like, hey, we're doing an Army of Two fan film. And, uh, you know, would you like to play your character in it? And I'm like, huh. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like that's so I started doing a little research on it and I saw that like Tom Jane had done a Punisher fan film and I watched mm-hmm. it and it was really cool and I was like and I also I sort of played in the character um from Medal of Honor in the Lincoln Park Castle of Glass video. So you're doing so, all the hottest games. I I man, I've been really lucky, I can't even tell you. But it's it's such a cool thing to like to play your video game character as you, as a live action person, like it's it's such a neat thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. So I did it, and um, the trailer for that actually dropped on Tuesday as well. You can find it on YouTube. It's called uh, Army of Two, um, Close to Home, and it's uh, it's on the Node 
channel? Do you know the channel Node on YouTube? I know. I'm actually as we speak. I love YouTube. Yeah. I don't watch television. I watch YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Right. Everything you ever <laughs> wanted to see, or, or even some stuff you didn't want to see, is on there. It's on there. What, what is it called again, Scott? What's it one more time? It's uh, Army of Two, um, close to home, and it's on the channel. The channel the name of the channel is called Node N O D E. Um, I put in the word Army, and that was the first thing to pop up. See. Sweet. <laughs> and yeah, so, so the trailer dropped to Tuesday. And it's going on like 30,000 hits already, which which is pretty awesome. And I just finished doing my ADR. I had a looping session yesterday for that, um, which I don't know if your listeners know, but that's when you when you go in and, and redo your dialogue because sometimes in production, you know, there might be a plane right, flying over a truck backing up. Exactly. Um, and I got to see about 80% of the film, and it is awesome. Like, really? Again. I feel like I totally lucked out on it. It was another one where you kind of roll the dice, and you're like, eh, it could be <laughs> awesome, it could be terrible. But, man, right. this thing drops tomorrow. I need um, to take Scott to Vegas with me since you seem to be hot. I need to take you to Vegas. <laughs> I am. I, I, I am right now. So, so you might want to book that trip quick before <laughs> I cool off. All right, yeah. Mandalay Bay, here we come. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm ready. Super. So, so yeah, then, check for that tomorrow because it's it's going to be really good. Looking for, so, and then do you do you have your own official website that I can keep that one listeners can keep up with you? I have a Twitter. Okay. Um, well, we, I have we, a Facebook fan page. I have that. Uh, oh, I think I'm following you already. I think on both of them actually. I am. I think we yeah. are. I think yeah. I think we do follow each other. We're LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I turn around and there you are. You're just following me, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> Well, I told oh, you, my yeah. nephew thinks I'm, I'm only cool because of you, so I have to follow you. <laughs> I'm only cool because I know you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, if if you ever get a chance to be a video game character, like I said, it'll give you a lot of street cred with the kids, man. It is definitely worth it. That is awesome. So now, <laughs> bef- two more questions. One, yes. now that you're out of the Marine Corps, how do mm-hmm. you give a salute to heroes? Um, well, I am involved in a group called Veterans in Film and Television, um, which was started about a year ago, and it's 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 everybody. It's it's uh, people that just got out of the military, you know, mm-hmm. a month ago to to people like Captain Dale Dye, who is you know Spielberg and Oliver Stone's go-to military advisor guy. It's been in the business like you know thirty something right. years. So it's a really good way to to mentor, you know, the the, the younger vets that are coming into the business. Um, okay, that's awesome. I did some work with uh, the Mission Continues, which is another great vet organization. Mm-hmm. Um, the Got Your Six campaign, we did a, a thing with them with um, with Universal Studios not too long ago, where we we were uh, putting together care packages for. Um, elementary school students who, you know, sort of uh, needed some help in that department. So you have a lot of salutes um, going on. I try to, you know. I Again, like going back to the luck thing, I feel like, you know, when when good things happen to you, you need to spread that around, you know, and give a little love where you can. That's what it's about. Well, we definitely appreciate it. 
We definitely appreciate it. And then my last question for you, it's almost not even a question I need to ask. I'll say, what's next for you? It seems like you're just riding high. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I really try to stay busy. Like, uh, you know, it's like the devil hands or the, the idle hands, the devil idle hands. Thing. Right. Like it's, Are you based you know? in Los Angeles? I am, yeah. I live in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> And I do. Like, I, I really, really try to stay busy. I try to, you know, kind of like this fan film. It was like, you know, they called me. They're like, we're doing this thing, and we don't have a lot of money, and we don't have any for you. <laughs> and I was like, wow, make me an offer I can't refuse. Like, <laughs> Just to be clear. This is, wor- Just to be clear. <laughs> this is the worst pitch ever. <laughs> but they booked it, and that's what this world is about today. It's exactly. going for it. It's just going for exactly. it. So true. Yeah. That so is I try hilarious. To... <laughs> I know, right? So I do. I, I really try to stay busy, whether it's something like that or um, I uh, I did a, a day on another new video game, you know, sort of a proof of concept thing to to, uh, to try and sell it to the company, um, you know, to see if they wanted to make the game. You know, it's like just one day of motion capture and, you know, just just doing stuff, just getting out there, having lots of irons in the fire. That's what's uh, – well, Scott, I want to thank you for having your iron board stop by the kicker spot. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. I really, really enjoyed it. Definitely here where we did a salute to heroes. Well, until next time, Scott, I want to say thank you again for coming out. When you get your next project, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to have you back on to discuss more about all your happenings. This is great. Thank you so much. I definitely will. I'll definitely let you know how things are going. Sweet. I look forward to it. Until next time, you guys, we've just been speaking with Scott Levy, excuse me, Gulf War veteran turned actor, as we did a salute to heroes. Amazing young man, and he's doing great things, really showing us that there is valor out there. People are doing wonderful things. So just continue doing what you do. And I want to say his exemplary service to our country and his life makes an interesting salute to heroes, and that's what we had him on this evening. You guys, be sure to click the like button on the radio show page. You can sign up to stay connected to all things T'Angelo at T'Angelo.com, and just click the green button to sign up today. We'll be right back. Hey, you guys, have you seen the kicker spot? I mean, I'm trying to find a kicker spot. I can't get in? What do you mean I can't get in? I'm T'Angelo. I'm the host. The kicker spot. The kicker spot. When you are looking for the latest, the freshest, and the biggest stories in Hollywood, EOTM Blog is a site to visit. But there's also a clip of me on the red carpet when I call one of the the wrong name. Ooh, yeah. The kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is spot. The kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is spot. If you know who you are, my bad. Um, It was my birthday. The kick is spot. The kick is spot. The kick is spot. The The kick is spot. 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 The kick Celebrities book authors, self-help, 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 self-help. celebrities tell-offs, 
All right, you guys, good evening, and welcome to Angelo Live on Books. Um, Central Live on Books is our featured segment where we get a chance to speak with um, celebrity book authors. And tonight is my pleasure to welcome Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp founder David Fushaw, the author of Rock Your Business to Angelo Live on Books. Good evening, David. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Loving your show, and I've had an opportunity to listen in and learning a lot of new stuff. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's, I guess it's a fair exchange after all I have been learning from you and your exciting and informative book, Rock Your Business, what you and your company can learn from the business of rock and roll. What a great book. Thank you. Isn't it amazing that you can actually learn from rock stars how to run a business? I mean, look at the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're right. going to go out and make $500 million this year. And years it ago, people sense. said. If people said, oh, I don't want my kid to be a rock star today, everybody wants their kid to be a rapper, to be a rock star, to be a country star, because mm-hmm. they realize that you can learn a lot in this, you know, it's, it's, you can make a living in, in, in show business. It was great. I mean, it it just totally made sense, like on the back cover when it says, wouldn't you like your business to burst into the public awareness like Lady Gaga? And you don't think about it, like, huh, I guess she kind of did. You don't really think about it wasn't an accident. It was a mathematical plan. plan designed to do what happened. Absolutely. You know, all this stuff is, is planned, whether it's by management, by agents, by the artists themselves, by the material, but it's all a business, you know, and, and I don't think people realize, you know, years ago people didn't really respect the artists, but today, you know, the artists are, are, are very successful and from bands like Kiss to right. Dave Matthews to, you know, to Pete Diddy and I mean, look, look at look at Diddy. Look 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 at the organization that he's built. You know, mm-hmm. you can learn. There's a lot of companies that follow him and follow the way he built his business. And my dear friend Russell Simmons, the way he built his operation. I remember when Russell right. was starting. And you know, it's amazing what you can really learn from 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 this business. And that's why I wrote this book. And this, I just, I found it to be, I really found it to be awesome. Now, I'm going to take a step back for a second and say I was watching some of the videos that you have on YouTube of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and all I could say was, wow. I mean, I was really taken back to, I had read, you know, in the book about the Fantasy Camp and what it did, but to go on and to see people get a chance to really live out their dreams, the campers truly get to live out a dream. How amazing. It's really amazing, and, and you know what's great is it, it really is a life-changing experience going to Rock and Roll mm-hmm. Fantasy Camp. These people are able to take it back to their lives, to their family lives, to their business lives. I mean, so many women have told me their husband has found happiness. Um, they, they're just inspired. They're starting to play instruments more. Um, I've been that, that, That's really what's blown me away, the reaction right. to the people. And, and then on top of it um, is the reaction to the artists. I mean, it's been amazing that the artists keep wanting to come back. They want to go to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp because right. um, it reminds you what it was like when they first started out. <laughs> and I think it gives them a chance. You know, when you're in the, when you're a rock star like Kiss and all those big bands, you're you're performing to hundreds of thousands. But to get that one-on-one love and to find that person who's as passionate about that song that you are, I, I can't imagine the energy, the synergy that happens in those moments. You know, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant what you're saying. Uh, They are now coming in as professors. They're coming to give their knowledge, and it's just them with a new band or with a studio, and they get to sing two songs that they've never done before. Sometimes, you know, like or or for example, Joe. uh, 
the lead singer Def Leppard. I mean, he was just a big Mata Hoople fan. So he really? decided, yeah, he wanted to sing their, their material. I mean, so everybody gets to, you know, do their own different material. But, but you're right, it's it's a very controlled uh, situation. And, um, you know, we have everything from executives to uh, soldiers to, you know, everybody who, you know, really comes. And, you know, we do a lot of charity and we bring in a lot of youngsters. And um, it's, it's really, it's been okay. fun for me yeah. because I'm able to, you know, uh, really give people a life-changing experience. Now, speaking about you, when in your career did you realize you were living a life that seemed unreal? Uh, I still am. But, uh, <laughs> you know, no, being in the world of show business, and I started at 20, um, and it's not a real business. i got to be honest with you. It's, okay. I mean, I'm so grateful that I'm still doing it. And, um, right. But, it, you know, it, it took me a, long, a lot of years to realize that, this is not a normal life flying in private planes and staying in the finest hotels and making, you know, and, and just, you know, living a rock and roll lifestyle. Um, you know, I try to, in my book, I talk about being constantly trying to stay grounded. Uh, but right. it's hard. There's no question. It's hard. And, and and it's a lot easier for me as a manager, but for artists, it's very difficult. And that's why, you know, you read about so many of them going through, you know, look at Justin Bieber now and those people are acting out and, you know, sorry right. to hear about the loss of, of Chris Cross and the band. Uh, you know, you don't even know what happened. But, you know, a lot many right. times it's, they've reached a, a, a pinnacle in their career, and then it's only downward spiraling and, and uh, because they identify their lives with, with success instead of identifying their lives with, you know, personal success and personal health right. and family. And, and you know, they, they, they think that they're only, uh, you know, in this world because – uh, you know, they're they're the entertainment. The number one so, hit, right? Number one. Yeah, the hit. number one hit. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's yeah. hard. And, you know, athletes face it, and entertainers face it even more because you know an athlete realizes, okay, I don't have my physical ability, I can't perform as much. But you know, rock, rockers and artists, and you know, they they, they don't stop they don't stop uh, performing. You know, you got to look at the right. stones. They're they're seventy years they're old. Still doing know? it. Still they're doing still it. Doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, to switch back gears into the book, where did you get the idea to write this book? And why this book. kind of book, out of all the stuff you could have written about? You could have done a tell-all, you know, you could have right. done a biography, but instead you did a how-to. Right. So what happened was about 25 years ago, I wrote my first book. I was 26 years old, and um, I was representing Lupinel, the Yankees, and negotiating the Steinbrenners. I, I got called to write a, a book on, you know, on being a sports agent. And I wasn't just going to write a book on gossip because, you know, sure, you could sell more books. But I said, I'm willing to write a book, I told the publisher, if I can help people and if okay. it's going to help people get a raise. And, and and really, that's, I wrote the book. I, the only reason I spent hours, and I really woke up every morning at six o'clock, and for a year just to you know make sure this book was perfect. Um, I, I worked hard on it because I wanted to give people lessons of life, things that I learned. So I didn't want to write a book. Sure, I could have written a, uh, you know, Bill Graham wrote a life story, and so many mm-hmm. of the rockers today are writing about sex and drugs and and selling millions of books, and it didn't, that doesn't interest me. If I could teach somebody, if they can learn something from what I've learned, God bless them. Um, I'm going to say that um, you have definitely met your goal because I am truly learning a lot. And just speaking of, you know, what can be learned, I mean, inside the book you discuss everything from um, 
designing a business or a, a product that can allow bartering, creating the prototype, which I thought was a great section. It didn't cross my mind and create the prototype. And you say how people can't visualize it, so hand it to them. Don't make me visualize. Just say, here's a product right there. That's what it'll look like. And I was completely taken aback when you planned. I think you did. You had fake auditions. You had fake media. You had all this stuff going on for a show that did not exist. Right. So, you know, I tell some of the, the stories and, and you know, make some of the shows successful and people I learned things from. And um, But, you know, going back to the prototype, you know, I'm such a big, you know, fan of that because, um you know, so many people walk around with ideas. Oh, I have this idea and that idea. Everyone's walking around with an idea that they can make a million dollars with. And then, uh, I went over to a stewardess on a plane and I said, I'm writing this book. Give me an idea. Oh, no, I can't tell you. You're going to steal the idea. So, um, and uh, people should, if they have an idea of a book, there's so many ways that they go on guru.com. They can find artists to draw that out for them. And, and so many, there's so many ways for people to, you know, take their product, put it put it on paper, and be able to show people what it is and go sell it. Right. See, and, and that's and where I think app, people get lost, like you said. They don't move forward to the next step. Right. Most people are fearful. They're scared. They're raised, and their parents tell them they can't do it. And, um, you know, you, you put ingrained in your in your mind that you can't do something. Well, my father survived the Holocaust, and, you know, he was a big inspiration to me. And if he could survive that, then, you know, there's nothing I can't do in this world. And, you know, he gave me that strength. And, I mean, I have other friends of mine whose parents told them they can't do things. They can't do things. And, you know, you have to take a – you can't take a chance in life, you know. And, right. and I think life's about taking chances. That's the, best, that's the most fun you're going to have. That's right. Totally. It's taking chances. So now um, how does one uh, – because one of the questions I was presented – uh, when working on this and posting, was in your opinion, how does one go about gaining a loyal following and fan base? So, um, you know, interacting with, with, with your fans today is the easiest thing. It really is. It was the Facebook, with Facebook and with um, Twitter and Instagram, you know, staying in touch with your fans, um, you know, writing to them personally, answering their mail personally. Um, it's a great way to create a fan base. And, and you know, I mean, uh, I can't tell you that today um, these artists um, have built up fan bases. They don't need record labels anymore. They're selling their own records. Um, a band like Def Leppard has 2.5 million Facebook followers. Well, they're constantly doing contests. They're constantly doing giveaways. They're constantly, okay. doing, you know, doing doing things to gain access to more fans. Um, and and to keep the fans totally informed of what's going on and make them feel part of it. So turning to them and saying, hey, what do you think I should do a show on? Or what do you think I should do? You know, asking people questions and, and bringing them in the mix. You know, I, one of my favorite sayings is everyone has two businesses, their own business and show business. People want to be involved. Right. Okay. So to get to a fan base, just connect with them, make them feel part of the process, and that you're listening and you care. Absolutely, you know, and, and and hear them out and, and, and recognize them and, and, and do things for the fans, you know, do, do things for your fans, whether it's giving away, finding trips or finding finding ways or contests or, you know, in your business, you know, I would just keep, keep the fan base going. I mean, I'm going to listen to you again, just loving the, the beginning of your show that I was tuning into, you, you know. 
yeah, so I, I think I think that's um, the be- the best way to build the fan base up. And today now, you can we- do your own publicity. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now with now on a on a different scale, one thing I talk about with entrepreneurs is the business life versus the personal life. Were you able to balance the two? <laughs> no. I'll be very honest with you. It was it was very, very difficult and and you know, it took me many years in the divorce and you know, till I learned that um you know, it's you know, to balance it because you know, many years I spent on life on the road. You know, I was in, in, in the business where I have to be traveling with my artists, uh, right. you know, as many athletes do, and entertainers, and that's very hard to maintain a, a relationship, you know. And so that's why I created the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, because I made a decision that I wasn't going to tour anymore and go on the road, and I wanted to be home every night and put my kids to sleep. And um, so, I, you know, I created the camp, and, um, and, and I could do it when I wanted to do it, and uh, now we're doing it now in Las Vegas. We do have a permanent home, but we have people operating it. And um, tonight I came home and played an hour of baseball with my son. So I'm very blessed that I have uh, um, children that are seven and eight, and I, and I want to really, you know, make sure that I catch as much time as I can. Very right. hard in the entertainment business. Very hard that's just to what, maintain. That's one of the things I found to be the most difficult was people just having a chance to balance it to us. That's one question I usually get. With entrepreneurs, is how do you ba- balance it? We have a caller actually here on the line who wants to sure. ask you a question. Okay. So um, let's go ahead and welcome Michael to the Kicker Spot. We're speaking with David Fishoff here on Tangible Live on Books. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Welcome to how the you? Kicker Spot. How you doing, David? I'm doing great, Michael. Where are you from? Uh, I am from Los Angeles, actually. Oh. Um. I had a question um, with the industry, you know, taking a big turn to digital um, as far as record sales. Um, what's some advice on a young producer uh, trying to get his start in the music industry? Well, you know, I think there's more opportunities today to get your music out uh, than there ever was. You know, in the old, in the past years, it was a record label controlled everything, and um, and you really couldn't do anything. But today, more and more independent artists are available to um, to do you know to get their music out. For things, you know, networks like Reverb Nation. I know we're using it to introduce new songs. Um, it's a great way to introduce your music to the you know to people. Um, there's so many great sites where you can be uploading music. I don't think you can be to look to be in the business of selling your music anymore. I think all that music is, is, is available for free unless someone hears it um, and they can, um, you know, want to use it for television shows. There's a website called taxi.com. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a website for young music producers like yourself or artists who um, subscribe to uh, hearing, you know, that they, they send out newsletters every week and say, okay, uh, CSI is looking for a song or this one is looking for music, and they they basically tell you which movies they're looking for, and you submit your music to them. Um, today there's more and more opportunities for young songwriters and producers to really, you know, to showcase their, their you know, their music. But if you're looking to sell it, uh, I think that's harder. If you're looking to get it out there, uh, and get people to listen to it and build a following first, then eventually you could be able to sell it. Oh, okay. All right, thank well, you. Thank- Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Michael. 
That was great. And that's one thing that is kind of interesting is, oh, matter of fact, I think I was just recently reading Evolution um, when you were discussing with the business plan, learning how to evolve with the times, how you were just saying everything's digital now and just evolving. The business plan, in the book, I did not realize how important a business plan really is. It seems like people are doing away with them. What do you think? Well, you know, if you're looking for money and you're you're looking to raise money uh, from family and friends or investors, you know, you're going to have to have a business plan because um, the investor is going to want to know uh, how, you know, the first question is how are you going to exit? You know, how are you going to make me my money back? Um, how am I going to make money in investments? Why should I give you the money versus give it to put it in the stock market? So right. They, or, or put it in the bank, which they know they're not going to get any money yet. So I, I think right. that a, a business plan <laughs> doesn't have to be as evolved as the olden days when they had these uh, 200 pages, because no one's going to read 200 pages. They've got to go to the facts and show numbers and basically, you know, let people read about a plan and, and, and see if they like it and if they want to invest in it. Um, and, 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 you know, today many people want to invest, and, you know, there have been some amazing successful um, investments people have made. And, um, and and believe it or not, I'm learning more and more that it's not just having a great idea, but it's executing that idea. And um, that to me is, uh, is, you know, a lot of people have great ideas. A lot of people can't, not everyone can execute them. Okay, now, and when for entrepreneur they're start with all the with, when entrepreneur is starting a new concept and with all the points you mentioned in your book, what is the area that they need to focus probably the most on? Where should they spend a lot of their strength preparing well, for the release? Well, first of all, in, in, in my book Rock Your Business, I cover everything, um, and basically I cover my experiences that um, you know over my fifty years, sixty years of of being alive, I, I think I really share everything and my failures. I've had successes. I've had failures. And I hope that in the book you'll learn uh, from my mistakes. You won't have to go through the mistakes. I've, I've, I've gone through a lot of mistakes. I've, I've had a lot of great successes. Um, but there's so many aspects to right. um, being an entrepreneur. Um, and so many things you've got to keep your hands on top of all the time um, to be successful. So no, not one you know, like I said, you can you can have a great idea, but you're a terrible operator, or you're a great operator and you don't have a great idea, or you're great at accounting and you're and you're and you're not good at public relations. I, I think you have to be a specialist of of everything, um, as as best as you can, until you get higher enough people to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, smarter than you, and that's and the success of business. Hiring people that are smarter than you around you, and you see any great people from whether it's our president of the United States or, or you know, GM or any of those big companies, is those people around the people at Facebook are, are, are building Facebook. Not, not you know, he had a great idea, but he, he's not involved in the day-to-day operations that's making it successful. He found someone else. That, okay, that makes sense, and then that goes into the section about partners and finding the right team to put together. Okay. See, we're, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there. I'm telling you guys, we're currently sitting here with David Fishoff, author of Rock Your Business, discussing entrepreneurship and what you and your company can learn from the business of rock and roll here at Tangible Live on Books. And we do have one more caller for you this evening, and we're going to go ahead and welcome Dorothy to Tangible Live on Books. Good evening, Dorothy. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. We're here with David Fishoff. Hi, David. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. 
Thank you. So I did have a question for you. So currently I am the publisher and editor-in-chief of an online publication. We have been printing up until now, but we're making the shift to online. And then we're also exploring branching off into something completely separate from the magazine. But I know because you've been making comparisons to bands, and you guys were briefly talking about, um, you know, Facebook and some other examples. How do you know if you don't have enough band members, and how do you know if you have too many? Interesting question, David. Okay, we may have lost David. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I guess the question is, how do you know if you have too many people on the team or if you don't have enough to bring the idea to fruition? Um, we say that not have enough. Um, the more people that you have on your team um, to help you take your project um, forward is, is great. Um, it's managing those people is, is to make sure that they're all doing, you know, not everybody's doing the same thing. Right. Um so, you know, but you can never ha not have enough people, you know, whether it's interns, whether it's an accountant, whether it's lawyers, um, mm -hmm. or people, you know, that are working for you, reporters, uh, ad salespeople, you can never have enough. I think it's just managing those people is the key to, you know, will be the key to your success. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you, you know. Dorothy, for calling in. We truly appreciate your call. Thank you so much for having me. You're so most Dorothy, welcome. I, I, want, I, want, I want to say one thing that I think the online publishing is, is the right way to go now. And, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I had lunch today with a major publisher, and, and they're you know, moving everything online, and you know, doing contests and and offering their readers a lot of stuff to get them to you know watch to you know read online. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank Thanks you for again for calling. Thank you. Good night. Good night. That was that was great. Um, that was probably even a note for myself, David, as far as just making sure you're managing everyone correctly. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to surround my people but around myself surround myself around people who are smarter than me. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah, really I'm learning that every day more and more. That's it makes your job success. easier. It makes your job easier, it's the key to success. And I'm you know, I'm 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 a great I mean I'm a great idea guy. I have ideas every day, and the problem is is that you know how do you say no to an idea? And um, so you know it's hard because you think every idea is great. Right. You talk about that in your book also. Yeah. <laughs> and, every, and everyone tells me all day, you know, good friends of mine. So because I'm I'm always you know criticizing myself and. And they said to me, read your own book. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. So yeah. my last question for you, David, is going to be, what's next for you? After all your accomplishment, what do you do next? Well, that, that's a great question. I'm really enjoying Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and Shaging Lives, and I'm really going to focus, once I get people to operate it, on, on cor corporate America. I really believe that every company is, is, is like a rock band. And, you know, for years we've been representing Ringo Starr and working with so many rock stars. You know, uh, people have told me, they, oh, this guy's not important in the band, and that guy's not important in the band, and the band could have been successful without this member. 
And the Who would have been great without John Entwistle. They, I mean, they, they, they could have been successful without him. And I, and I listened to these people and I say to myself, it's the whole, it's the, it's, it's, it's the whole band that made them successful, not one person in the band. And right. uh, the success of a band is listening to the other people. So it was John Lennon listening to Ringo's drumming. It was um, McCartney listening to George Harrison's guitar solos. That made the Beatles. And, you know, so I, I really believe that the minute you know, someone walks into a company and the receptionist is nice and, you know, they represent who the company is, they're part right. of the band. Right. And yeah. So I, I want to I go into corporate America and teach them how to, you know, keep team building going. And through rock and roll, you can be creative, like <laughs> writing songs and take everything I've learned from rock and roll and, and bring it into corporate America. Well, it definitely sounds like a great plan, and we're going to have to get you to our corporate office and rocking, have us in Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Let me talk to the powers to be. They need to be on board. <laughs> well, we do a great team building program. Uh, we, we look forward to it, definitely, definitely. Well, David, thank you so much for hanging out here at Tangible Live One Books. This was a great check. I haven't finished it all the way yet, but it is like my number one read right now, I promise you. I'm going to finish this book. This is a good one. And they can get it on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or in the stores. And um, So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Again, we appreciate you as well. Until next time, David, you have a good night. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Good night. You guys, if you do want to order David Fishhouse's book, Rock Your Business, you're more than welcome to go to all the places he mentioned, as well as you can go to TiangeloLive.com. You can go to our online bookstore, TiangeloLive.com, to collect your copy today. Continue to hang out here at the Kicker Spot. We'll be right back. What's going on? This is your boy, Tiangelo, and you are chilling at the Kicker Spot. Sunday, August 4th at the beautiful Pacific Design Center. 
Red Carpet and Celebrity Stunted Awards Show, highlighting all things entrepreneurship. Nominees and presenters scheduled to attend Bruce Valanche, Farrah Abraham, Tammy Roman, Jake Short, Carlin Jeffrey, Adam Parter, Matt Martin, Eric Zuli, Latoya Luckett, Jasmine Brand, Christian Keys, Mary Marrow, Vincent Ward, Josh Feldman, Cece Perkinson, Cynthia Manley, Fawn, Chili Moe, Mimi Foss, Donnelly Heising, Jared Masters, Macy Bookout, Barbara Niven, and many more to be confirmed. Performances by Billy Lord, Adam Barter, Chioki Damachi, Leon, Ron Anthony with Don Cannon, and more. Win tickets by tweeting hashtag EOTM Awards, hashtag Think Entrepreneurship. Visit www.eotmawards.com, www.eotmawards.com for more info. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Tiangelo, and you are tuned in to the Kicking Spot. Want to visit and hang out with Stephen Holcomb, an American Olympic bobsledder who has compete who has been competing since 1998. After leaving the military with an honorable discharge in June 2006, um, Stephen went on to get you know, bobsledding in 2010 in Vancouver and the Vancouver Olympics. He won the four-man bobsled event for the United States. It was the first gold medal in a four-man bobsled team. Team for the America for America since 1948. I'm guessing that's not a sport that we focus hard on because we should have more people in bobsledding. But none. Steve Holcomb and his crew are definitely representing for us. He has since written a book called "But Now I See," and which is an encouraging story of fortitude, strength, and perseverance. You guys, while he was while Steve was in the height of his career, Stephen noticed that he was going blind. Yes. So let, without further ado, welcome Stephen to the show and find out more about all things Stephen Holcomb. Well, good evening, Stephen. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing? I am really excited to be speaking with you because I love the story. It is oh, likewise. It is a, Thank you. I mean, it's just it's an awesome story, and we're going to talk about the book, and I'm excited. Before I do, though, I wanted to say um, – how is the sport of bobsledding treating you these days? Now, how are you doing with bobsledding? Um, it's going quite well, actually. Uh, just last year, we were the first American team ever to win the two-man world championships. Um, so that was pretty cool. The start sport oh, started back in the early 1900s, and uh, we were the first Americans ever to win the two-man title. So that was pretty pretty exciting. I don't, think, ever, I don't uh, think I knew that they did bobsledding in two-man teams. Yeah, we do. We do two two men and four men. So uh, we do okay. uh, two events. Um, the women only have uh, have two women. That's it. Um, but uh, the men do two men and four men. And with the uh, we went on after that uh, win in the two men to win the four man as well. And we're, and we're the only team, uh, third team in history to ever win both titles in uh, in one weekend. So it's been uh, well. Been congratulations. Great. Yeah. I, I'm sure you guys are really making making America proud, putting us putting us on the map. Yeah, we're trying. We're working hard. <laughs> so, and then also, you guys are preparing for the Winter Olympics 2014, correct? 
We are. They're about uh, nine, nine, ten months away, so uh, they're coming up pretty quick. It's uh, it's game time, you know. All training, uh, all the training for the last four years is going to climax and peak in next February in Sochi, Russia. So uh, it should be it should be good. It's going to be a good event. Uh, I think uh, we're we're going to be doing pretty well. We're going to be the defending champions. So everybody's going to be gunning for us. And then uh, right, I don't know. It's going to be a good race. I think, and I, this is kind of when I know for myself when sports be really interesting is when you have the backstory, but you know behind it to know that the American team took it, and so many other countries, you know Germany and all those other countries who are used to that sport being there. It's like, whoa, America tried to know. So they really gonna be looking at you guys to see, you know, where the weaknesses are and where your strengths lie. Are you mentally yeah, prepared for all of it? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, the Germans have dominated the sport of the Olympics. Uh, they've won uh, up until our gold, gold medal. They had won the previous five gold medals, so they were kind of wow. the team to beat, and we ended up uh, beating them, and they got second. And uh, I don't think they're very happy about that right now. <laughs> right, they're really, right. Uh, they're working really hard to to make sure that they don't uh, they don't come in second to the, uh, in February. So uh, there's definitely a target on our back, but I think uh, we're prepared. We've uh, we've been there. We've been we've won before. Um, I think mm-hmm. we can do it again. Now, are you still working with the same four gentlemen from 2010? Uh, Ren is one guy. Yeah, well, uh, one guy retired, um, okay. so he's uh, he's out. But we replaced him with a, a guy who's uh, who's just as good, if not better. Um, and I think uh, you know we've uh, we've got a new sled coming out from BMW, um, which is mm-hmm. pretty exciting. So I think. Uh, I think we're going to be, uh, uh, you know, definitely the, one of the top contenders, and it's uh, it's going to be a good, a good, a good Olympics for the Americans, no doubt. That's awesome. Well, we definitely will be looking out. That's going to be a great event, and that is a that's an event. No, where is where is the Olympics happening? Is that is that Janeiro? Uh, no, that's that's, uh, that's the Summer Olympics in uh, sixteen. Oh yeah, uh, sixteen. Our Olympics are going to be in uh, Sochi, Russia. So it's going to be the first time the Olympics have been in Russia since Moscow um, in 1980 when we boycotted. So it's going to be uh, that'll be a little bit interesting to see what uh, what goes down with that. But uh, it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. Okay, that's that's awesome. So now let's talk about the. But now I see my journey from blindness to Olympic gold. What made you write the book? Well, I uh, was diagnosed with a degenerative eye disease in 2001 um, called keratoconus, and basically it's just a thinning of the cornea that causes your your corneas to bulge, and uh, basically you just slowly go blind over time. Uh, When I was first diagnosed, they told me, you know, you're going to have about, I don't know, 30 to 40 years until you need to have this, you know, you have a cornea transplant where they'll just, you know, lop off your corneas and give uh, donor corneas to you, and, you know, no big deal, it's way down the road. Don't worry about it. Well, unfortunately, okay. mine mine was uh, a little more aggressive than normal, and uh, my progression was not 40 years; it was about five. So, in uh, 2006, uh, let me kind of backtrack a little bit. I just now had got into the sport right when I was diagnosed. I just started learning how to drive the sled. Oh, wow! But but at the time, my vision was really was pretty solid. Still, it was I had the disease, but it hasn't degenerated, so it was still pretty good. So I started learning how to okay. drive, being able to see. But as over the years, as I kept, you know, I got more experience driving, my eyes got worse and worse and worse. So eventually it kind of compensated, and I was able to drive without really being able to see. Um, but unfortunately, there came a point where, um, you know, I was wearing contact lenses. They were really strong. My prescription was uh, negative 18. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people out there 
have contact lenses, you know, people with 20, 40, 20, 50 vision are like negative five or negative six. And right. I was, That's really high. Uh, and then, you know, I had to yeah, go back to my eyes really high prescription. Yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was like Coke bottles in my eye. And you, and you managed to, and you still managed to drive the team. Yeah, for the most part. Um, but in 2007, I got to the point where I could, they didn't make contact lenses any stronger. They just said, Hey, you know, we're, we're kind of at the end. This is all you got. We can correct your vision about 2080, 20, you know, 2100, but that's about as good as going to get. It's just going to keep getting worse. At that point, I finally just decided, look, I'm if, if I get if I crash or hurt somebody or you know, God forbid, kill somebody and find out that I'm right. blind, you know, I I can't I can't I'd never live with myself. So I decided so no one. Sorry. I'm sorry, just to, just to mention it. So no one knew of this. You hadn't told a family yeah, member. Yeah. You hadn't told the I team. You hadn't told. Uh, yeah, I didn't Did tell anybody, and I was very good at hiding it. I was very good at uh, making sure nobody really knew. People knew I wore contacts, but they didn't realize the, the the strength of those contact lenses. I was able to, you know, I kind of withdrew from from people. I didn't go out and do stuff as much, but I was just people just kind of assumed that my personality was kind of a, you know, a little quiet and reserved and kind right. of right, but. Uh, um, yeah, eventually, you know, I finally came clean and said, look, i got to retire because I'm blind. And uh, my coach is like, well, look, and this is just – this is literally after the best season I had ever had in my career. Um, I just won the two-man um, overall world title, World Cup title. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, for, and that was, again, the first time for the Americans ever. And so to win that and then, you know, a few months later tell my coach that I'm, I have to retire, he – he flipped his leg, you know, he wasn't very happy about it. And he said, ah, don't worry. You know, your vision is no big deal. We'll just, we'll get a fix. There's there's a whole bunch of procedures out there. I was like, I don't, I don't think you understand. Yeah, and I was, little... funny, I was just, I was just reading that part in your book when the actual moment when you had to tell them that the buildup to that, you actually having to say it out of your own mouth to them was a very tense moment. I mean, you know, yeah, you're being, you're trying to leave while they're training, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a very strange few weeks, and uh, you know, once I finally came clean, you know, he didn't really really grasp what I was saying. Like, there's no cure for this disease, and basically, I'm just going to go blind, and eventually, you're going to have to slice off my corneas. And the recovery period is about two years, one year for each eye. By then, I'll be out of the sport, and plus, my eyes will be so fragile that I can't compete anymore. So it's I'm just done. I'm done. So, ah, don't right. worry about it. We'll figure something out. I was like, I don't really think you understand what I'm saying here. So eventually, uh, a few weeks, well, a few months go by, and he calls me up and says, hey, uh, this former bobsledder is a doctor, and he actually uh, he deals with a lot of leading-edge or cutting-edge um, technology, and there's a guy in Beverly Hills named uh, Dr. Brian Boxer Walker who's got this experimental procedure. Why don't you give it a shot? And I said, well, okay, you know, I can't, if, I, if it works, sweet, I'm back in. If not, I'm right where I'm at anyway, so I really had nothing to lose. Right. Flew out to Beverly now, Hills, had his procedure done. Uh, a few few months later, I'm seeing 2020. A year after that, I win the first world championship ever for the United States, or since 1950 for the United States, and then in two years, we won the first gold medal since 1948. And you, and you mentioned you had nothing to lose. I know in the book you talk about wanting to even maybe lose life. You were so so distraught and the depression weighed on you so much. Do you think that was because you were by yourself? Um, definitely. You know, I, I, def- I kept it all to myself. I kept it inside. I didn't share it. I didn't ask for help. You know, I, just, I thought that I could fight it myself. 
Um, and I did. I eventually uh, uh, swallowed a whole bunch of sleeping pills and tried to put myself to sleep for good, and it didn't uh, didn't work out, thank God. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, I was alone. I didn't seek help, and that I think that's the problem that we have is people think that you can fight this, and and people all the time would tell me, hey, you know, just cheer up. It's no big deal. I'm like, I, it's not. You know, this is a, a a chemical imbalance in my brain. Like it doesn't just go away. You know, right. I'm, I'm depressed and I'm upset, and but you can't just cheer up. Um, right. So, you know, it's really tough, and I thought I don't think a lot of people understand it. People who haven't been depressed don't really understand it fully, and so you really, you know, something I learned, and something I try to advocate to a lot of other people is like, look, you you just have to talk to somebody, and once you once you get it out and start talking about it, you, you can work through it, and people realize it and they understand it, and all of a sudden, you're feeling better, and you people can help you deal with it, and, and you're on, you know, there's a lot of a lot of ways to get around it, and I didn't right, realize but... that, and I, I I took the wrong way way out, and it. Luckily, it didn't work out. So. 